The Her Sports Show, live every Wednesday on YouTube and every podcast app. Hello and welcome to The Her Sports Show. In this week's episode, we're joined by Sharon Hutchinson, who has been a huge advocate for women's sport. Sharon founded sportswomen.ie, which ran until 2015, and she has certainly played her part in terms of changing the game for women in sport. We dive into a conversation around the landscape and how it has evolved over the past number of years. I'm delighted to be welcomed by Sharon Hutchinson, a huge female sports advocate onto the show. How are you doing today, Sharon? I'm great. Thanks, Neil, and thanks for having me on. Yeah, no, it's great to have you on. And, you know, I know you had a, a huge contribution to women's sport in Ireland and trying to push things along uh, a couple of years ago. So tell us a bit about, about your background and, and what you were doing for women in sport. Um, well, I suppose it, it was kind of maybe oh, the t- 2010, 2009, around that time, I remember picking up the newspaper and, you know, flicking through the sports page because I always love going to the sports page. And it was it just kind of just hit me. And I'm sure it's hit many before me um, that there was just no women's sport in the section, in the sports section. And I remember writing a letter, I think it was the Sunday Times at the time, you know, saying, geez, if, if someone came from outer space, they wouldn't know that women's sport existed at all. And then um, I had an opportunity then to go on, um, uh, it was called the Pink Program in CIT in Cork. And it was basically a, a, a women's entrepreneurship program for six weeks. And you had to come with an idea. So the idea I had was, was a website like yourselves. And I called it sportswomen.ie. Um, so I did, I got a web designer, got, so I didn't have that um, skill to, to create the website and I launched it then in January 2015, so that's seven years ago now. And I basically just filled it with content from all the other NGBs. So I, I was replicating what was on all the other sites, but I was just putting it into one mm-hmm. place and, you know, attending any conference I could go to. Um, meeting the pe- the people that I suppose had the power or the influence um, to change things. And um, like I, I was a one person show really, or a one woman band um, for, a, for a good while. And th- I, I, through it, then I met other people who had mm-hmm. expertise in different sports and they came on board as well, all voluntary, all of them. And I've made some, made some great um, contacts and friends through that. And then, uh, so I was doing it for three years and I found it very difficult to monetize it. I, I just didn't have, I suppose, the skill set to go out there and, you know, make money on it myself. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I reckon, you know, I did something for for women's sport. Um, I, was, I was involved with the RT Audience Council. It was um, just for a year. It's a group that RT have where they bring the ordinary person, I suppose mm-hmm. you want to call it, together and to give their opinion on RT and all that. So I obviously was going in with my women in sport banner. And I, you know, I would have met a few people in that organization that I definitely had an influence on. And I would say that, for example, now, things like, um, you know, Cleon O'Leary and Fiona Coughlin came to um, a conference in Ballybunion and that I had organized uh, it was a sports section in it and they met and from that I believe that they then Fiona actually became um, a pundit at a men's game so it was just to get that female person you know um, talking about men's sport as well because that's you know it's not even it's not even just about women playing sport it's about Mm -hmm. women being visible in the whole sporting arena so I suppose there was a few things like that and I just kept hammering on for three years and then you know I just got tired unfortunately 
and I finished it. And it was it was really difficult because it was like my best friend. <laughs> Sportswomen.ie was it was like my best friend, and I had to let it go though, and uh, because I'm all or nothing, and I just couldn't give it the energy mm-hmm. that it needed. And but at the same time, it definitely made a change. And then from there, other things like the 2020 campaign yourselves, um, you know those things have happened. Unfortunately, COVID then came in and. I do think that took the steam out of the sale or, you know, the, the wind out of the sails there for a while. I think 2020 was a great campaign and it probably didn't reach its full potential because mm-hmm. of COVID. But look, we couldn't uh, predict that, you know. So in, in terms of uh, barriers, like what were some of the barriers that you faced? And I guess, do you think that, um, you know, times have changed from 2009, 2010, to say when we obviously launched uh, her sport in in 2018, um, do you think that there was more opportunity maybe there, like were people more digitally ready, were people more open minded, or what have you yeah. kind of observed? Yeah, I definitely think so. Like even in 2015, I was I looking back now, I was ahead of my time, ahead of the time. Absolutely, <laughs> which seems terrible thing to say in 2015, but I think I was just a bit early, and maybe you came in at the right time. Um, I like I remember uh, was it Malachi Clark and he had an article and, and the heading was like who cares about women's sport and you know I think that was the attitude back in the 2000s early and 2010 that decade you know early de- part of that decade so I think that was it who cares about women's sport mm-hmm. and then I do think um, you know I think government, it's actually government uh, now understand how important it is to give equality to women's sport. And when you have a big machine like government behind you, then Mm -hmm. things can happen. So like you can see, you know, Sport Ireland are definitely promoting women's sport more. You know, it's all about getting more women into leadership, you know, uh, roles. Mm -hmm. So the, the landscape has definitely changed. People's attitudes have changed. Um, you know, and then for like little that's the, the little yeah. um, you know for the LGFA like that was huge that, to to put that kind of money into the sport. And you you saw the, the thirty whatever thousand, you know whatever it got. You probably have the the number, but you know the the audience numbers had increased, and that was yeah. And they keep increasing. Yeah. I think it's up up in the fifty thousands now. Yeah, so we're, we're exactly. heading towards we're heading towards that eighty two thousands. Exactly, you know, and that's all down to promotion, mm-hmm. you know, watching posters. Um, I don't know if you saw a video there the other day on LinkedIn. There was two, three little girls uh, uh, doing an interview. They were pretending that they were, um, you know, at a match on, on the sideline and one girl was interviewing two others and they were just gassed. But they were copying what they see mm-hmm. on TV. So it's definitely more out there. Still a long way to go, though. Um, you know, now I'm off the newspaper generation and I know that will slowly fade but if you still pick up a newspaper and look through it still very little women's sport I know you can find it online but again Mm -hmm. you have to go go find it it's not coming at you you know so yeah I was going to say that when you mentioned the papers earlier on like obviously you're saying that was the turning point for you but unfortunately yeah we are still hearing those stories we are still seeing that like you know we went and got a, a paper a couple of weeks ago and again no women's sport um, and it's it's a lot more regular um, than than you'd like it to be. Like it just it just shouldn't be happening at this stage. Yeah. But um, for you, I suppose, like what was sport like for you growing up? Like where did your interests come from? 
Well, I grew up in a very sporty house. My dad was very sporty and he brought us everything. I was the oldest of three and he had us playing tennis and hockey and we were swimming and all that. So I was very involved from a young age. Well, mm-hmm. I started hockey when I was about 11. So for me, you know, I never really saw any inequality because it was there for me. I had the opportunity. Now, I know there are many girls out there and boys that don't have the opportunity, but I did. And for me, I went to a hockey school and I just have I just was good at the sport as mm-hmm. well. So I was able to develop and reach a high level playing the sport, which was which which was good for me. Um, so I suppose that's where and I've always been on a sideline or, you know, I've always loved the outdoors and just being active because it's good for you. Um, so I suppose I, I thank my dad really for instilling mm-hmm. that love of sport. And in terms of your peers at the time, like, or, or I mean, from being that 11 year old right up to now, like you're a mom, like how have you watched uh, girls and women's relationship with sport change over the years? Yes. Um, like, well, for me, it wasn't obvious as a, ch- as a young person, because I thought everyone played sports because that's what I did. And I think that's what happens is, you know, we're in our own little bubble mm-hmm. and, you know, like for, there was a, I started a mothers and I called it mothers and others. I know it's, uh, the LGFA created that label, but I did one for hockey up here um, in the club that I'm in. And it was just bringing women back to the sport who mm-hmm. played it before, but also for women who hadn't. And I remember one night this woman coming to me and she just said, Sharon, just thank you. Thank you so much. <laughs> I've never I never played sport as a child. My mother never encouraged us. And, you know, so it was lovely to get that, that to give her that opportunity, but mm-hmm. she was 40 plus before she got that opportunity. So, you know, for me, I didn't see it because I was so involved. And I do think a lot of our high uh, perform, performing um, athletes, you know, they're so consumed by their own sport. Yeah. They actually don't realize how important a role they do have. But um, I think, again, yeah, I was I was in that bubble. So I didn't really notice, I suppose, to be honest. And also when I played hockey, we had a really good um, journalist, Ruth Omani, who used to write in the examiner, the Cork examiner at the time. And she covered hockey. So we, I actually we actually got coverage. I've got scrapbooks of all our matches and all that. Mm-hmm. So but again, it depended on who, you know, who was there at the time. You know, sometimes it doesn't get the coverage because there isn't anyone interested in doing it. So, mm-hmm. And in terms of like, do you think there's been like a generational change? Like, are we heading in the right direction? Yes, very much so. Um, like, it's like anything, you know, any change, it's slow. So it is mm-hmm. going to be slow for some. You're, you're going to say, oh, will they ever do this? Will they ever do that? Um, it's going to take a while to get us to a place where it's equal with with men's sport as such. Um, but I think parents now are so much aware of how important sport is for their girls as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think we're, we're moving in the right direction. So I'm hopeful. So, I mean, it's great that we are moving in the right direction. Obviously, like you put in some of the groundwork there when, when you're doing it. I know you do still share uh, some content on the, the sportswomen.e social media channels and you've been involved in lots of things. And there's lots of other people that are trying to trying to create change. Um, we're obviously doing it every day here at Her Sport. We're trying to create change, but um, there's still there are still different things that have to happen, and there's still lots of frustrations. Like we're hearing lots of stories across the country and around the world, and you know you think like, geez, have we not moved past some of these things? Like, what are some of the biggest frustrations that you still see? Um, well, for me, like this might be a, a touchy subject, but for me, it's the Gael, it's Gaelic, it's G A A. 
So the GAA is an all-male association and lots of people in this country don't understand that the LGFA and the Camogie Association are separate entities to the mm-hmm. GAA. And like huge money has gone in to the GAA. Now, similarly, the, the Camogie Association, the LGFA get government money. But the amount of money that has been put into the GAA over the years from all the communities, um, um, all the grounds around the country belong to the GAA. They belong to that association. And a lot of females are still, you know, finding it difficult to access that mm-hmm. in an equal way. And I just, I know the GA own those those pitches. I, I totally get it. It's in their ownership. So they should be able to do what they want with it. But that ownership came from communities really over the last hundred odd, odd years. And I just see, you know, until there's equality in the Gaelic, in Gaelic games in Ireland, um, you know, we're still behind, we're still in the dark ages as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, I know that's fair. And it's something we actually discussed on the on the show a couple of weeks ago. And it is really about trying to get um, everybody to understand that, uh, women and men, uh, boys and girls, to understand exactly like what's going on and to understand the contribution that girls and women have actually had to the GAA for the, you know, for the past hundred years. Like people have always been involved in the community while maybe not always playing. Yes. Um, they have been involved in building and supporting, uh, you know, the GAA and, and all the clubs and everything that goes with it uh, yeah. for years and years. So it is time that, you know, people actually start to acknowledge that, uh, start to understand it and actually start to help the Camogie Association and LGFA. I mean, if they're all going to stay separate, it's time that everybody starts to help that and, and um, basically return the favour. And, and what you're saying, like we have seen stories, uh, you know, recently where high performance athletes are, you know, county teams aren't getting access to facilities. And we also see it across the country um, where, you know, b- boys and men's teams are often prioritised over the yes. over the women's teams. And it, and it is that kind of age old uh, saying that you're, you have there where it's like, oh, well, the GA on the pitch. And yeah. that's kind of, that's where people kind of stop with it. And it's, it's you know, everybody needs to be educated on, on like, why does the GA yeah. on the pitch? Exactly. Um, and it, yeah, that education isn't out well. People don't know really you know so mm-hmm. and what are some of the other things so like in terms of media coverage like you've talked a bit about the papers like what about television what about online like what do you think the the state of play we are there um and, and how can we make some improvements um we're getting there like now i it was great to see the um the european soccer on mm-hmm. on tv so that was fantastic um, I, I, I obviously hockey is close to my heart, so I know it was on. There was a couple of matches on, but they didn't really dedicate the time to it. There, you know, and you know the team did so well four years ago. So it was a pity that it wasn't taken on by RTU. I know they did mm-hmm. in their other um, streams, but so there was that. Um, so yeah, uh, yeah, we still have a we still have a bit to go on the the media front with regards mm-hmm. to on TV and streaming and all that. But again, it's all down to to the money that mm-hmm. you know that women earn as well. And the, but I think uh, I I actually don't understand sponsors because I think sponsors are missing out big time when it comes to women's sport. We um, like women in the world are the control they control what we buy decision makers yes totally so i i just don't i I don't actually don't understand why sponsors just don't take it on because they will get the return you know yeah 
Yeah, like in terms of uh, female teams and female athletes, like a lot of sponsors that are working with them are definitely seeing the return on investment. And I know you've already mentioned Little and the LGFA, which has been a huge yeah. success. And, you know, as you, like we can talk about the side of the, the decision makers, which is like that's fact and a lot of people know that. Um, but also the, the, there's a lot of appreciation there. And I'm not saying that, you know, men's teams and male athletes don't appreciate it, but it tends to be... Um, something that's really valued by the female athletes because they're not getting it all the time or haven't experienced it all the time, yeah. that they, they really, really appreciate the support that they get um, from women's teams. And, I, and I've heard actually in local communities when, um, you know, I, I heard of a business and they had um, moved towards supporting one of the women's teams and um, they had supported the men's teams for years. And they said, where we like we got this opportunity and we decided that we would sponsor the jerseys of the women's team and they said they were so appreciative and the support that they got that they actually shifted over and stayed to continue supporting the women's teams and they just said like um obviously it was something that they wanted to do but they said that the return that they got and the you know the activation from the athletes they were more than happy always to help with different things and to promote the business and, and that type of thing so um it's at like local and national level that people are seeing that return you mentioned the television and, and broadcasting things on television and, and obviously yes women are in the workforce men are in the workforce and uh, like everybody's contri- contributing to uh you know paying taxes and um this one thing that i find interesting is actually the tv license and um, we're all paying it what yeah. are your kind of thoughts on that where um obviously it's predominantly male sport that's shown yeah but we're actually paying our TV license as well. So what's the story? Like, where's the women's sport? <laughs> exactly. And I, I think you've a good question there. Um, but I suppose there's lots of uh, underrepresented, you know, people who are underrepresented on TV, you know, that you could pick anything there now as well. And women's sport just happens to be one of them as well. Um, and I suppose it's not until people demand it. They need to be demanding it mm-hmm. um, from the broadcasters. Um, I think... We're not great for vocalizing what we want yeah. out there. I think women or, or men or whoever in, you know interested in women's sport. I don't know. Do you think there's a lack of understanding that of the structures? Because it's something that never struck me for a long time. Like we're all, we're we're paying for some of these channels to be, uh, to be funded. Like it is it is state funded, government government funded. You know, <laughs> funded by the people per se. And yeah. um, you know, if we have fifty percent of the population is male, fifty percent is female, and for the likes of something like sport. Like, do, do you think that there's actually just a, a lack of understanding for people actually then to start vocalizing that yeah. you know, we are paying our TV licenses? So <laughs> can, can we push a bit more for what we want to see? Yeah, you're probably right. I don't, I, I don't think people have actually thought about it too much, you know. But yeah, no, I think you have a point, you know. We, should, we need to get back what we put what we put in, you know. Absolutely. In terms of, um, you know, where we go from here, like, what do you think are some of the next steps for, um, you know, paving the way for the girls and women of the future? Um, I personally am trying to change things for, for the people of today as well. But, um, you know, so aware, as you said, that, that uh, change will take time and it's going to be a long time before we're going to see, um, you know, a level playing field that we're looking for. But what are some of the things that you think we can um, do now where people can... Uh, maybe just do in their in their everyday life to to help create change um well i think it's very important that you know we have to actually concentrate on the boys as well as in we have to bring the boys to the to the women's game as well Mm -hmm. as not just bringing the girls so it's it's for the boys as well because like 
I'll, I'll give you an example. I, I know a young fella and he plays hockey and um, he's afraid to be seen with a hockey stick on his shoulder because it's perceived as a girl's sport or women's sport. So like, that's not a good thing either. But if, you know, boys need to be and men need to be brought on, brought along as well. And I think when mm-hmm. you can get them to buy into it um, and like it is about developing the product, though, too. Um, we do need to raise the stat. You see, the problem as well, I think, with women's sport is we're competing against professional men's sport. And a lot of women's sport is amateur. You mm-hmm. know, that we see like so like your, you know, your rugby and your soccer and all that. So, you know, there's a lot of, oh, ah, they're not very good. You know, you, you get that from time to time um, because they're always comparing it to the professional setup, mm-hmm. which a lot of the women don't, you know, they don't have. So that's a problem, all right, I think. Um, we need to raise the standard in some sports for it to be a good product because it's you do have to have a good product at the end of the day, and that's what's going to bring the money in. Mm-hmm. Um, like tennis is a good example of a sport that I think is pretty equal, although I'm sure if you get into the nitty-gritty, it's still not. But, yeah, this surprised my discrepancies yeah. there, we'll say, yeah. but, but they went through a huge shift uh, with Billie Jean King, obviously. Exactly, and that, how, long, how long has that taken? <laughs> yeah, years. no, quite an amount of time. <laughs> yeah, 50 years, really, you know, you're talking about yeah. the 60s, so, you know, and that's how long it's taken for that sport, you know, um, and I think that's how long it's going to take. Um, but I think as long as government keep backing you know, women's sport and also any funding that is government funding, they, there has to be an equality thing going on yeah. in with the NGB. There has to be, there, you know, there's no question. And, um, you know, as long as government, you know, keeps that pressure on the NGBs to constantly promote mm-hmm. equality, that will go along big time. And then just, I think just, if we get the sponsors and the money and at the end of the day, it's all about money. Mm-hmm. If you don't have the money, you can't promote, you can't develop so we just have to, you know, get those sponsors in. Um, you know, like I, the, again, I know I'm going back to hockey because that's what I know best, but I would say Softco, um, it must be the best money they ever spent. <laughs> I think, I never heard of Softco before four years ago, but they were on the front of every newspaper, yeah. you know, so like, that's an example. And, and then even just Lidl, all their promotions that they have. I love yeah. all their, you know, club stuff. You know, if you if you get so many tokens, you get a full set of jerseys, all that kind of stuff. If you can do that, um, not just with Gaelic, with other sports as well, because I do feel a lot of the other sports um, being neglected sometimes because it's all about the GA and Gaelic, you know, camogie and football. Mm-hmm. So it, it can be difficult for the other sports. But I think, look, we just have to keep going the way we're going. It's slow. But it's all about getting more money into the sport and, and government backing, I think. At local level, what do you think people can do? Um, whether they're on a committee or a parent or a child uh, that's playing or an adult that's playing, what are some of the things that you would advise people to do? Well, for example, I, I still feel we need to get more women into the coaching side of things. Um, they're pretty good on the administration side, I think, if you go into clubs and that kind of thing. Um, there's a lot of women helping that way, but coaching, it's still mostly male, you know, dominated. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think we need to start encouraging. And again, going back to the NGBs, they need to have programs yeah. that are for 
better for it's something uh, to be fair that to be fair to sport ireland and on a, a number of the ngbs they have been pushing that over the yeah. past couple of years and, and yeah. uh, that's great to see so hopefully we'll uh see that continue and and uh spread out into more sports over the next couple of years exactly and again just more women in you know on committees in more in, again in the in the chair role you know in the bigger mm. roles within the committee again there are, women are great for just kind of sitting you know on the sidelines and doing all the work kind of thing so it's just for women to just push themselves a bit have the more. courage yeah exactly but i think you know sport is you know you know at the grassroots level there's plenty there's lots of girls playing sport for me it's the girls who don't have the opportunity who don't have parents that are going to bring them to the pitch mm -hmm. those girls that don't have the opportunities so I suppose that's where the schools come in then maybe that you know you've sport through school and that kind of, you know again though you know you're still looking at very short PE times in a lot of mm -hmm. secondary schools so and again that teenage years how to keep them in sport so you know it's look at that as well and try and keep them there yeah and then there's obviously the things of uh going to the matches um immersing yourselves uh in in exposing people and you know young people to some of the sports so that they actually can believe that they they do belong there and, and that type of thing as well exactly. i do have um one question it might be a tough one and, and i don't know the correct answer to myself to be fair yeah. um we've obviously spent a long time funding men's sport uh, yes. from the state uh, you know, you're talking about government grants that are coming in. Do you think that there should be a reflection on the money that we have invested and the opportunity that we have given men over the past 100 or 150 years and the state funding that has gone into it? Do yeah. you think there should be some sort of uh, retrospective uh, funding essentially being put in place for women's sport? Because obviously, if you invest in the sport, you will see a, a, you know something kick forward. And we're obviously seeing that with, with sponsors. but does the state and does the government actually owe women uh, investment to push things on? Um, you know, money spent on marketing can make a huge uh, advancement for, for a number of these sports. And, and obviously there are some women in sport grants, but when we're looking at, you know, what you're talking about there, say the, the GA, the Club Association, the LGFA, like, um, you know, the funding is not the same. Um, yeah. what, what are your what are your kind of thoughts on that it's a tough one yeah I, I agree with you I, I totally agree I think women need to get you know need a boost as such um I don't know if you've ever seen that cartoon you probably have where they're they're standing on on on, on the same level box but they're mm -hmm. all different heights and they're looking over a fence so obviously the yeah, yeah. person can see over the fence and then the other uh, cartoon has the boxes they're different sizes and now they're all the same height and mm -hmm. that's that's what we need to do we need to boost you know uh what's there and i i would totally agree with you if the money was there it should be it should be put into women's sport and bring them up to that level yeah because i think it's something that if we did it over a couple of years like if there was a plan uh to to be pushing things forward and as i said i know in sport ireland there are some grants specifically for women in coaching or uh, a couple of other female specific initiatives but it's not uh you know obviously the same amount of money that we've been investing over decades yes. uh, that's gone into funding men's sport and as we said this money is coming from the community yeah exactly no i agree totally with we'll you. see we'll see what, what other people's <laughs> feedback is on it it's it's certainly a tough one but um thanks so much for for taking the time to chat to us and, and sharing your story and obviously your contribution uh you know to changing things for women's sport over over the number of years we know you're a 
huge advocate and you've uh, definitely played your part. So hopefully uh, between us all, we can see something change over the, the next couple of years. Not at all. And thanks, Amanda, for having me. And well done on all the work that you're doing as well, Amanda. Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of The Her Sports Show. A reminder that you can catch up on this episode and every episode on YouTube, across podcast platforms, and across all our social media channels. If you're enjoying The Her Sports Show, be sure to subscribe on YouTube as well as on all podcast apps. The Her Sports Show, live every Wednesday on YouTube and every podcast app.